Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is The Surge Effect, and I'm your host, Mike Surge. This podcast will be talking about anything and everything, life in general to current events and past events, and all things about this beautiful and wonderful world that we live in. And this podcast, well, it'll probably have an effect on you. Before we get started on today's podcast, let's talk about two different sponsors that we have. Our first sponsor is Love My Legs Own Sound Grey Bruce. Click on the link below in the description and head on over to their website, which is a Facebook site. It has all different kinds of women's leggings on there, and they have three different styles of waistbands. And they are the only lifetime guarantee in the business. So head on over to their their website, their Facebook page, and check out what they have to offer. Our second sponsor for today is T-Shirts, She-Shirts. Once again, click on the link below in the description and head on over to their website and see what they have to offer. They are more than just a T-Shirt company. All right, let's get started with today's podcast. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of The Surge Affect. All right, so today I'm just going to uh, be talking a little bit about what's going on in uh, Canada the last few days and what's been going on down the States for the last couple of days politically. And um, we'll uh, go from there. So um, before we get started, um, I'm just going to show you a couple of little clips here of um, just still shots of actually from Bill C-11. Uh, now, I've talked about Bill C-11 uh, numerous times in past podcasts uh, when Bill C-11 was uh, going through our house for a couple of years. Uh, liberals kept pushing Bill C-11, and um, now we know why, because it's all about control. And if people doesn't, don't realize it's about control, then they don't, they're not paying attention. So if anyone's tried to uh, share a link on Facebook or Twitter, not Twitter so much, Facebook or diff- different uh, uh, social medias like that, and you'll see that you are uh, stifled. So when you are, you will get a message like this. Now, I posted this um, not too long ago, and uh, that was the response I got there. It says, in response to Canadian government legislation, news content can't be shared. Um, of course, I was talking about what transpired in the CBC with the um, Catherine Tate, the CEO, receiving uh, between four hundred seventy-two thousand and six hundred twenty-three thousand dollars for uh, bonuses and all that fun stuff. Um, I tried to post again on another. Another day I posted uh, something in regards to it as well, and I got this message from Facebook. If you are in Canada, this means you no longer share or view news content uh, links or content on Facebook, including news articles and audiovisual content. So this is a real deal, folks. This is what happens. You can't share links. You won't be able to share certain information um, with anyone. Because of Bill C-11. People go, well, how's it going to affect me? It won't affect me. It's no big deal. Well, it is starting to affect people because they can't share information. And when you can't share important information, that could be a problem. Because 
people in different provinces or even your next town over may not get information because it, it's been stifled from them and they don't get to uh, hear any information. So here's the thing about that CBC, and this was just released um, by the Taxpayers Association people. They're always great to listen to. And um, Franco Terrazano, this guy's name. And uh, this is he dropped, uh, I think, this morning or yesterday. Have a listen. We're talking about CBC and bonuses. Why? Well, just the other day, CBC President Catherine Tate was on TV. She was asked, hey, while you're cutting hundreds of jobs at the broadcaster, are you going to cut the bonuses? Remember, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation first discovered that the CBC handed out $16 million in bonuses last year, $99 million in bonuses going back to 2015. And the CBC President CEO Catherine Tate's annual compensation is between $470,000 and $620,000. The annual compensation includes salary, benefits, and bonuses. So look, you got to go after the fat cats before you go after the little cats. And leadership means you got to lead by example. So if the CBC is taking down hundreds of jobs, what that should also mean is no more bonuses. And for the CBC's president and CEO to lead by example, cut her own compensation, and give up that bonus. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And it's just no big deal. Hundreds of people lost their jobs. And the CEO gets that. I tried to share that information there not too long ago. And I was stifled from doing so in Canada, of all places. Unbelievable. So speaking of Canada, this girl here, this young lady, is uh, her name is Arupa Sabramanya. I hope I didn't uh, butcher that name. Um, anyway, Arupa is a journalist from Canada. She was at a uh, committee for weaponizing federal government, uh, they held a hearing. It's a subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Uh, and this is what she had to say. This is a, it's a few minutes long, but it is well worth the listen. Pay attention, because this is what is happening in our country on our soil. Thank you, Chairman Jordan. I'm pleased to be able to join you today to testify on the importance of free expression. I'd like all of you to think of me as a time traveler from the not-too-distant future, coming back to the present to offer you a glimpse of what could lie ahead for America. I live in a time in which, in the name of fairness, you can't share the stories you write for my news publication on social media. I live in a time in which, in the name of the common good, you can be kicked out of your bank and online payment system simply for expressing the wrong political views. I live in a time in which, in the name of social justice, you can commit a serious crime but get a more lenient sentence if you happen to be the right skin color. I live in a time in which, in the name of safety, you can be arrested for exercising your right to peaceful protest if you happen to be protesting the wrong thing. Of course, I'm not a real time traveler. I just live in Canada. Americans, and perhaps those in this chamber, surely think Canadians are too nice, we're too polite to embrace this sort of proto-authoritarianism. But it's more accurate to say that our niceness made us susceptible to the new authoritarianism, undermining the foundations of our liberal democracy. If it sounds like I'm overstating things, allow me to share three stories that illustrate this creeping authoritarianism. First, a few months ago, I reported a story from my publication, The Free Press, about a high school principal in Toronto who had been humiliated in front of his colleagues by a DEI consultant. The principal's crime, besides being white and male, 
was that he objected to the consultant's assertion that Canada is a less just society than America. The humiliation he experienced ultimately led him to commit suicide. I wanted to share that story on Facebook. When I tried to, I was barred from posting it. I received a message that stated, in response to Canadian government legislation, news content can't be shared. I was confused. Then I remembered the recently adopted Online News Act. The law forces social media companies to pay online media companies to link to their content. Facebook, instead of paying for that content, barred its users from posting it. Government officials insist that this is only a matter of fairness, a way of making sure that media companies are compensated for the news they report. But really, this new law props up legacy media dinosaurs like the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Bell Media, and other companies, which are subsidized by the federal government, and all of which can be counted on to echo Justin Trudeau's worldview and toe the party line. Not being able to post was annoying, but it wasn't the end of the world for me. I don't depend on Facebook for my income. The same cannot be said of Christopher Curtis, which brings me to my second story. Chris is a 38-year-old renegade journalist, entrepreneur in Montreal who runs a digital newsletter called The Rover. He calls himself woke. You might think that he's exactly the kind of journalist the Trudeau government would elevate. He's on the political left. He publishes stories about the plight of the homeless and police brutality. The problem is that, unlike government-funded news companies, independent media companies are truly independent, which means they report stories that don't comport with whatever the government wants them to report. For example, in September 2020, the rover reported a story on federal mistreatment of Mohawk Indians. This month, it published a story about migrant workers who had been abused and trafficked with the unwitting help of the federal government. But under this new law, the rover can't build its audience. Unable to post content on Facebook or Instagram, the newsletter can't reach new, new subscribers. It cannot grow its subscriber base. This is a slow death, says Chris. For now, he's unsure how he's going to support his partner and their three-year-old daughter. He's thinking of going back into construction, which takes me to my third story. Danny Bulford, now 41, used to be an officer in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the equivalent of the FBI. For years, he was a sniper in the Prime Minister's protective detail. Then, in 2021, Danny quit because he didn't want to get his COVID vaccination. In early 2022, truckers descended on Ottawa to protest new COVID vaccine requirements. Danny joined them. The government declared a state of emergency. Danny, like many demonstrators, was arrested and later released without charge. Then something chilling happened. On February 17, 2022, Danny logs into his bank accounts, starting with his checking and savings accounts at the CIBC. But instead of seeing his balance, he had about $160,000 in there. The only thing he saw was a dash. Then he logs onto Scotiabank to see about an additional checking account. Once again, there was no sign of any money in his account. Finally, he logs into the Royal Bank of Canada, which handles his MasterCard account, and he was told he had no access to any credit. Danny's wife was also unable to access any of these accounts. Suddenly, they were worrying about how to cover their next mortgage payments and how to feed their three kids. That is what it means to be debanked. Debanking has been one of the Trudeau government's weapon of choice. Since 2018, it has frozen the accounts of more than 800 Canadians who did things it didn't approve of, including those of 280 who took part in the truckers' protest, which the government regarded as illegitimate. Soon after, Danny moved his money out of the big banks and into local credit unions, hoping it would be safer there. The worst part of this, Danny told me, is not believing in the country I spent my career serving. It's this feeling that we're being watched, torn apart, made to feel like the much-hated other in our own country. Canada was once a bastion of free expression, but now not so much. Consider that at the same time the government and its corporate allies are curbing the free expression of truckers and journalists, 
The government is defending the rights of pro-Palestinian demonstrators, many of whom traffic in what can only be called anti-Semitism. Think about that. Vaccine skepticism, not okay. Peddling medieval blood libel legends about Jews, okay. I'm all for protecting free speech. I'm from the free press. I just want that protection applied fairly. I also want to be clear, these are just a handful of hundreds of stories I could have picked. What is happening in Canada is a gradual suffocation of free expression. It is draped in a cloak of niceness, inclusivity, and justice, but it is regressive, authoritarian, and illiberal. I came here today not simply to warn you about what lies ahead, but to plead with you to do something about it. Now is not the time to be polite. Now is the time to defend loudly the liberties and rights that have given us the greatest freedoms in human history. Across the world right now, governments in the name of the good are considering or adopting measures like we have in Canada. Look at Dublin. They're about to enact a draconian hate crime, hate crime bill that poses a dire threat to free speech. In, pre in Paris, President Emmanuel Macron has called for censoring online speech. This is to say nothing of Russia, China, and Iran. America is so exceptional, indispensable really. Please do not succumb to the same illiberalism, authoritarianism. Please keep fighting for what you know is right. Canada is watching. The world is watching. Thank you. So wasn't that something? <clears throat> it was about um, six minutes, but it was well worth it because what Rupa said was bang on. She's talking about truth, freedom, speaking the truth, speaking, you know, people can decide what is right and what's wrong. They can decide what's truth, what's, what's fact, what's, what's not. People can filter through the bullshit. You can do it online. You can do it while you're watching TV, when you're watching the news media. Give people credit. Give them credit to think that, you know what, they're intelligent beings and they can figure this stuff out and they know what's bullshit and they know what's not. You know, it's no different than the other day when uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed uh, Alex Jones. Because Alex, if you don't know who Alex Jones is, look him up. But Alex Jones been around for a while. He was been off Twitter for about five years, I believe. Uh, Elon Musk just reinstated his account the other day. People lost their freaking minds because Alex Jones says stuff that people don't like. But here's the intro. Just the intro of Tucker Carlson uh, introducing Alex Jones on their interview. And if you haven't seen it, just pay attention to what, just this little intro, it's a few minutes long, well worth the watch once again, like you said. But here it is. Here with the world's most dangerous man, the most censored man in the English language. But honestly, when you get him in front of an outhouse in the woods, he doesn't seem so dangerous. It's a fancy outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we have a ruling class in the United States defined by its hatreds, not its loves, not its hopes, but by its hatreds. They hate all kinds of people, large groups of people, the deplorables, the bitter clingers, America's entire blue-collar population, the unfashionable people. They're hated by the people who run our country. But no one is hated more by them than a man called Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the single most censored man in all American history. He was the first media figure in our history to be completely erased in one day, deplatformed. Alex Jones was deplatformed before it was a common term. And not just deplatformed, sued, attacked. 
They attempted to criminally charge him. What did Alex Jones do wrong? Alex Jones didn't rape anybody. He didn't loot Macy's. He didn't burn a police station. He didn't invent a fake cryptocurrency and loot pension funds. He didn't start a pointless war that made this country poorer and more disorganized. He didn't open the southern border. No, Alex Jones had opinions that deeply rattled the people who run America. In fact, rattled a lot of us. And I'll just confess that I first heard of Alex Jones when he questioned the official story behind 9-11. And I, speaking for myself, was deeply offended by this. I didn't take any time to find out what he was saying, but I was bothered by the idea that this defining event in American history, which changed the life of everyone who lived here then, might not actually have unfolded as we were told it did. And that possibility was too destabilizing. And I remember feeling resentment toward Alex Jones for saying that. But several years later, I went up in Austin, Texas, and through a chain of circumstances, wound up meeting Alex Jones. And I learned what everyone who has met him now knows, which is Alex Jones is not a crazy person. Alex Jones has said pretty far out things on TV from time to time. Not that far out. He hasn't said men can become women or Ukraine is a democracy, but within the bounds of, say, cable news, pretty far out. But fundamentally, Alex Jones is right about a lot of things. And in fact, that's why they don't like him. Alex Jones has an uncanny, really an amazing ability to predict events before they happen. He has called it and he's done it on tape again and again to the point where it's a meme on the internet. Alex Jones, profit, not conspiracy nut, profit. But when you dig into Alex Jones's predictions, they are so spot on that it's remarkable. How does he do this? We're guessing there's a kind of spiritual sensitivity to Alex Jones, maybe that's his secret. He was displaying this years before the average person in this country even thought about matters like that. Now it's pretty obvious to most people that, that the, the current war going on in this country is taking place in ways you can't see it. Okay, so that was just the introduction, of course, to um, Alex Jones coming on Tucker. Now, he said about his predictions, and uh, Alex Jones actually predicted 9-11. Uh, Alex Jones predicted 9-11, uh, I believe, in July of that year. 9-11, of course, was in September. Um, quite remarkable, but uh, here's that little clip explaining that. That you made some of which are so precise and so prescient that it makes the hair on my arms stand up. And I'm being sincere, and our viewers are about to, about to see what I'm talking about. Here is a list of things that you called ahead of time. By the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, you all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. It's happening. Mask mandates are officially back. We know the Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to blow up airliners, Baltimore Sun, or if you let some terrorist group do it, like the World Trade Center, we know who to blame. And if there was an outside threat like a bin Laden, who was a known CIA asset in the 80s, this group and its leader, a person named Osama bin Laden, he's the boogeyman they need. We're looking at a giant war in February right now. I predict the Russians are going to roll in. They're already there. They're going to roll in. With attacks across Ukraine, which is the size of Texas. It really was the Iraqis. That's just because they're getting ready to invade Iraq. What a beautiful setup. Uh, those 9-11 clips are crazy. I'm actually bothered by the precision of them. I'm not accusing you of being behind 9-11. But how could you, in July of 2001, call that? You said... Quite remarkable, like I said, quite remarkable, him even coming up with that. Now, 
like Alex Jones or hate Alex Jones, it's pretty remarkable that he come up with that information before it actually occurred. Just truth bombs, you know? Alex Jones dropping truth bombs, and they don't like it. And that's all they are. And here's one here when he dropped in one of his... Um, it's kind of a little compilation for somebody. I found this on the internet. But here's a little truth bomb that he dropped uh, at his trial um, about Sandy Hook. Here we go. One of the things you've been talking about on your show is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the grooming of children. Right? You mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons? You know, so he was at a trial, of course, and uh, he said that at a trial. I mean, truth bomb. You know, sometimes the higher-ups don't like that shit. They don't like when you speak the truth. Here's Vivek Ramaswamy, for instance, at one of the uh, debates. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's talking about climate change. And uh, sometimes people don't like to hear this, but truth hurts. Here we go. Be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is, more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Another truth bomb by Vivek, and they don't like him. Here's Vivek again, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's at the uh, debate the other night, and he's talking uh, to Nikki Haley about some uh, things in the uh, Ukraine, I believe. Megan, I think there's a time and place for everything. We need somebody in the White House who absolutely is going to be a fighter when it counts. And I did say that there were some good people on that stage in that third debate. Doug Burgum was on that stage at that time. And I'll say that jokingly. Ron DeSantis is a good person, too. I want to go back, though, to Nikki Haley's comment from earlier that she is somehow not responding to the will of these donors. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the U.N. After you left the U.N., you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. And when I said they were bought and paid for, I meant the Republican establishment, not the Democratic establishment. Now you have Reid Hoffman, the person who's effectively George Soros Jr., funding lawsuits across this country against Donald Trump to keep him off the ballot, funding left-wing causes. We discovered this week that he is one of Nikki Haley's largest supporters. Larry Fink, the king of the woke industrial complex, the ESG movement, the CEO of BlackRock, the most powerful company in the world, now supporting Nikki Haley. And to say that doesn't affect her is false, because it's after that meeting later that day that she says that every American needs to be doxxed by having their ID, their government-issued ID, tied to what they say on the Internet. That's true. She said that at one of the other debates. She said about tying your ID from the information you put on the Internet. Come on. Come on, Haley. So I think that this is far more corrupt than I even imagined when I entered politics. But I will say this. It is going to take a leader from the outside with fresh legs from the next generation to unite this country. Not the broken politicians who are puppets of the puppet masters, but the actual people in this country. Thomas Jefferson was 33 when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. 
I think it's going to take somebody whose best days in life are still ahead to see a country whose best days are ahead of itself. And I think I can reach that next generation better than anybody else in this race. Thank you. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy, whether you like Vivek or whether you don't like Vivek, in the last several debates that he's been on, he has been killing it, as far as I'm concerned, just killing it. And uh, people don't, people, people, not, I shouldn't say people don't like him, but for the, for the majority, if you look at uh, online, if you look at a poll to see who did the best of the last debate, which is the, four, I think the fourth one, which was this one, the third one, the fourth one, no, I'm losing track. Um, anyway, that who came in first? They, they said Nikki Haley and uh, Chris Christie came in first and Vivek came in last. Why would Vivek come in last? Why would he be last? when he was dropping truth bombs like one after the other. And here's another little spiel of Avex. And uh, I think it's awesome. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's the puppet ministers right there, the donors. And there he says, that there's the, uh, the donors, the puppet masters up there right there, the ones that are booing that. Why would he boo that? Like, why would they boo what he was just saying, right? Because what he was saying is the truth. Just like this next clip I'm about to show you. <laughs> he also said this that same night. And everything he says, believe it or not, is the truth. And I'll actually, I could stop a couple here on the way by and uh, explain if you haven't found that out for yourself, but leave something in the comments. Let me know. Drop something in the comments up higher and let me know what you think. And uh, here we go. Ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor, but you would have never been one without actually begging Donald Trump for that endorsement. And you attacked him in your Nikki book Hayley. a year ago. Same thing with Chris Christie as a lobbyist, begging them for COVID money for his special interests in New Jersey, prepping him for the debates last time around. These people are now Monday morning quarterbacking some decision he made. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take off. The deep state are still after him right now because they don't want him to be the next nominee or even the president of the United States. And ask yourself, why? And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? The reason why he said that was all the videos that are coming out now because Michael Johnson, Speaker of the House, have just released it. 
uh, of the police officers waving people in, dropping the gates down, opening up the doors, firing off tear gas into a friendly protesting crowd. It, the list goes on and on. I've covered this in other podcasts of mine, and you can find this stuff online. That's why I said that. That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the, the reason why I said that was because Saudi didn't have any connection with the planes that uh, – uh, actually, sorry, the other way around. Saudi did have something to do with the uh, people that were on those planes. Um, you can find that out yourself as well. It's been 20 years of that. Great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech. That the 20... He said it was stolen by big tech because... They had election interference. That was a big thing, right? They didn't talk about the 100 Biden laptop, and it was right close to the time the voting was going to occur, and a lot of people wouldn't have voted for Biden if they would have found that out, blah, blah, blah. So that's what he's talking about, big tech. 16 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment <laughs> okay. that actually Thank put you. up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person That'll on the it, stage sir. who can Thank say you. these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterbacking and criticizing when it's convenient. Governor Christie. Isn't that something? Like, he went on that beautiful spiel and they're like trying to shut him down and, you know, shut him up. But he lost that, they said. He lost that debate. But he had some great, great points as far as I'm concerned. Okay, just before I close this podcast down for today, here's a little, here's a little uh, snippet I took there that just came out today talking about the ethics investigation has opened again into Trudeau's $1 billion slush fund after the fund's director funneled $400,000 to a company he actually owns. There's another scandal we got coming at you from the, from the liberals. There's a, there's a shocker. Okay. And then of course the last, one of the last things I want to show you, this is uh, Craig Ferguson apologizing. Craig Ferguson is our speaker of the house of commons in Canada here. And, um, he did a little uh, thing he shouldn't have done, and he was in his robes, and he was basically talking at a liberal uh, liberal retirement or something, and uh, he shouldn't have done it because it's unethical, and it's, it's not an honorable thing to do, and here he is apologizing for what he did because people want him to resign, and he should, in my opinion, because it's like being a referee, uh, being a Speaker of the House, and you should be totally non-partisan. Uh, and you should be like a referee. And if you saw a referee going into a, uh, uh, you know, say the home team's game that night, and the referee went in to give him a big rah-rah speech, it'd be kind of scary for the visiting team, right? Don't you think? Because the referee is going to be cheering for the home team. So uh, this is him apologizing today, I believe. First, let me apologize to all of you here, to all of our colleagues in the House, and indeed to all Canadians. I am sorry. I recorded a video message to... Sorry he got caught, as they used to say back in the day when your kids would be saying that they were sorry about doing something. Yeah, they're probably sorry that they got caught. John Fraser, a longtime friend. Despite assurances to the contrary, it was shown at a public partisan gathering. Most importantly, regardless of, regardless of it being aired privately or publicly, I should never have recorded it. I apologize unreservedly. I know I messed up, and I won't do it again. When I assumed the speaker's chair, I spoke about the role being like a referee. And I think one thing Canadians know well 
is that referees make mistakes. They are human. But unlike a referee after a game, I'm here to admit that, yeah, I blew that call. But I'm also telling you that I will do better. I'm putting in place a more rigorous communication protocol to make sure this never happens again. I will rely heavily on the services of the House Administration under the leadership of the clerk to review these kind of requests. I've also been reaching out to speakers and parliamentary experts in Canada and in other Westminster parliaments. My work will benefit from their advice and counsel. When I took on this role two months ago, I said words and symbols matter. I told you how respect would be at the heart of how I would take on this role. Respect for people, respect for decorum, respect for the institution of Parliament. These values continue to be important to me. But it's fair to say, like anyone taking on a new post, I'm learning on the job. Well, he used to resign. It's just that simple. Yeah, he made a mistake. Well, people make mistakes. Great way to learn from the mistake and just resign. Because a thing like honor and duty, personal integrity, those things should not be broken. Not in his position, not in positions that uh, MPs are in or leaders are in. You break them, own up to them, and step down. It's the way it's got to be. Anyway, this last little clip I'm going to show you here is just a little something that I uh, kind of found on the internet. I thought it was kind of interesting. And uh, it's entitled, You'll Never See the World the Same After Watching This 20-Second Video. It's quite interesting. Um, I'll let you watch it. The fleas are placed inside the jar. People are placed inside the classroom. They are left undisturbed for three days. Twelve years. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. Their behavior is now set for the rest of their lives. Escape the circus. Anyway, I thought it was kind of uh, interesting just to throw in at the end of this podcast, just in regards to... Oh, the fleas are not jumping higher than the lid on the jar after being in there for three days, but our children go to school from the time they're in preschool to kindergarten to grade 12, and they never seem to achieve higher than the level that they've been taught where people need to think outside the box. They need to learn more. In my humble opinion, opinion you need to uh, expand your horizons. Don't just stay locked within in the box that you've been put in. Uh, expand that box. Think outside that box. And that way, hopefully you'll learn more, you can share more, uh, understand more, and uh, hopefully be able to spread that with uh, that knowledge with other people because knowledge is power. The power to do whatever it is that you want to do. And that's just the way it works. Anyway, listen, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast, everyone. Anyone that's subscribed to my podcast, please share it. Uh, spread it, follow it. Um, I can be uh, found on uh, on Rumble. I can be found uh, on uh, social media like uh, Twitter. And 
Please like and subscribe my channel and uh, ring the little bell to subscribe so that whenever I put out new videos, you will be notified immediately. And uh, it helps with the algorithms as well when you like and share. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, until next podcast, everyone, have yourself a great day. Cheers. This episode sponsored by He Shirts, She Shirts. Go to www.heshirtsshirts.ca. Just type in the letters TSA, the surge effect. When you check out, type in TSA for your coupon and receive 10% off your next purchase. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, everybody.